episode number five of Feedback on Unwind Media. I am Rob Attrell, and every month I sit down with talented Ottawa musicians Damien and Biel. Today we'll be covering how trends in music come and go, and why hipster culture is so important to some people. <laughs> As usual, Damien and Biel will be, will be playing some music, which you'll hear sprinkled throughout the episode. This episode of Feedback is brought to you by Audible.com. You can get a free audiobook, download, as well as a 30-day free trial by visiting audible.unwindmedia.com. They have over 150,000 titles to choose from, and they have apps for iPhone, Android, as well as tablet devices. So, uh, first off, how you guys doing? Good. Pretty good, man. You good? good? I'm doing well. I, um, the first thing I want to talk about, well, let's just get right into it, uh, you guys have a big show coming up two days from when this comes out. It's about a week in advance, but you guys have a big show coming up. What's, uh, what's going on? Well, we are performing our first wedding um, reception. So we have t- taken that leap into becoming a bit of a wedding band um, as well. Um, and shout out to George and Dina. Um, Congratulations. Congrats <laughs> on your upcoming nuptials. Um, George. Yeah. So, so they, they approached us and asked us, they've seen us play before and they asked us if we would be, um, brave enough, I guess, to, <laughs> to, to play a wedding. And it's, it's kind of, like I said, this is a new thing for us. We've played different events before, like black, tie stuff or fundraisers or things where we're kind of, we try and get the the crowd moving, but we're kind of like the background music and that, that kind of thing. But like with a wedding, I feel like people um, are ready to party. And um, so it's kind of like stressful because you want to make sure that you do a good job, that you engage the crowd and that they have a good time. And I mean... A lot of people probably won't remember, (laughs) but at least they'll be having a good time. And so we've just been uh, learning a lot of songs. What's what's interesting is that we're actually playing for their special dances. So for their first dance, we're playing a song live for them, for the bride and and, and the father and and bride dance. We're doing that for the mother and groom dance. We're doing that. So that's interesting, and that's a little bit of added pressure because those are very special dances and oh, very special yeah. songs. Bet your bottom dollar, yeah. everybody's going to have their cameras out for those three dances. Yeah, so, so we don't, a lot we don't, of pressure. Yeah, we don't want to mess up. I actually did not think about that. Everybody's going <laughs> to oh, like, record yes. it. Yeah. All over Facebook, too, so yeah. there's no messing up. Anyway, so, yeah, it's it's interesting, and I think the jury's out on whether or not we would do something like this again, just because we felt just a lot of pressure, and, and George and Dina, if you're listening to this, it's in no way because of what you've said or done, like, we appreciate it, and we're, and we're glad to, to help out and be a part of such a special day, but I think we're just putting a lot of pressure on ourselves, and, and um, with this sort of thing, it, it hasn't, it hasn't gone entirely as smoothly as we would have hoped, but, um, I think it'll end up being all right. I think it'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah, I would chalk it up to just switching gears, um, for us because for the longest time we were a cover band and then we decided, okay, we have some artistic, you know, room to grow. And so we should, we would write and perform our own stuff. And then we kind of switched back to doing covers. So that changing gears actually takes up more, took more time than I think we initially thought, you know. And then you throw in the new, 
you know, s- slow dance element into it. I don't think we've ever really played any slow dance songs. So, I mean, right. there's that element too that we've never really, uh, we've done, with. we've done some, but yeah. we, we, but it wasn't like with the purpose of people dancing. Like we were actually wondering yesterday if, if people will actually get up and slow dance to our slow songs that we've chosen to play. Like we can make people groove. Yeah. Like can we make people <laughs> cry. Yeah. And slow dance and be emotional and that kind of thing. Yeah. So, but it's cool. I mean, I think any wedding that has, for my own personal wedding, whenever that ends up happening, um, I think I really like the idea of a live band because there's just, and we've mentioned this before, but there's just something so special about having a live band having live musicians play in front of you that you can like interact with them directly and it just adds an, another level of um of um memorability i guess to the event because you can like i i try and interact with the crowd as much as possible i already with this have plans on like having the crowd sing along even having them come up on stage with us you know just to just to keep it fun um so i'm glad to be doing something like this, which is a little bit out of our comfort zone, but I think it'll end up being okay. I think it always ends up being okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally agree. It's a lot of fun, a lot of uh, nervousness on our half because we yeah. really yeah. want to make it good, but yeah, we'll be all right at but the end of it. We're looking forward to it. And so I guess next next episode of feedback, you can ask us uh, how, how it went. It went. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> If, if there is video of the event, we'll be sure to link people to that. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so before, before we go to the actual meet of the show, I have, I have one more question about this. Cause I, I've seen you guys, like I've seen BL grab a guitar and just start playing at parties. And when people are gathered together, just, it's so much fun and people, they kind of know what songs you guys know, if they know you well, like we're talking in a group of friends here and Damien will just obviously start singing. If, if he hears music being played, he will, he will start singing. Even without the music, man. But well, that's true. <laughs> I'm, I'm but not if, crazy. If people come to you in the midst of just playing and ask you to play a song, is that, is that different from being asked to prepare sort of songs you've never played before? Maybe songs you don't know, even maybe genres you're not familiar with. Like when it comes to wedding, a lot of people have, idea of songs that they definitely want at their wedding and they're going to want you guys, their wedding band to play them. Has that happened to you guys? Are there songs that. Yeah, they, they, they submitted a list of songs. Um, It was no way I didn't get the feeling that it was like, you have to play these songs, but it was, uh, well, for, for the first three dances, the very special dances, um, those, they picked those and then they kind of had a separate section where it was like, um, these are some songs that we would love to hear you play. And it was a, quite an extensive list. So we kind of picked and, and chose from that list. And, and also I was actually thinking today that it was kind of like, uh, when, uh, when genius in Apple, like when you, <laughs> you like, it picks up what songs you like and then yeah. it's just like, you also might like this song. So that was the kind of thing 
that we did too, where it's like, well, okay, maybe that so much isn't like, maybe we couldn't see ourselves like doing that song justice, but maybe we can pick this song, which is kind of like in the same arena as the song that they suggested. So we can still have that same feeling. Um, so yeah. And then, and then we're also planning on when we're taking breaks during uh, our sets between our sets, um, we're planning on, playing an iPod as well. And so they also requested songs that they would like to hear on the iPod. Um, And um, those songs definitely, I think will be songs that we're going to try and like get people to get up and, and, and dance and be on the dance floor. And uh, um, so, yeah. Um, But in terms of like during the gig, um, just because we spent so much time practicing these songs, uh, we're, we're usually, we're not a band that usually takes requests unless we already know the song. Like, um, but, uh, we don't usually invite people to just come up cause we, cause we always, always seem to have this overarching idea of what the sets are going to be. And there's sort of a plan to it all and a transition right. from low energy to high energy or from sitting down to standing up and singing along and stuff. So there's kind of like this whole process through the entire thing. And so if we kind of just like, you know, inject songs in that it might upset the flow or something that we've tried to work hard to achieve. Okay. But I mean, if one were to approach me during a party and we're playing along, yeah, sure. Oh, definitely. Yeah. 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 But those are, you were asking two questions. So yeah. To the first question. Yeah, of course. I'll play anything. It, probably figure is it there out. more pressure to play a song that you maybe don't know very well or just kind of heard and pick up a guitar and start playing it? Or is there more pressure to be asked to play a song at somebody's wedding that maybe you're not familiar with. Of course there's more pressure at the wedding because at the party... But <laughs> then you have more time. time to... Mm. I, it means more, too. It means more at the wedding. It's so, so it's still... It's still more... I feel like it's still more... It, but, and and yeah. the, that payoff of that instant success. So if someone came up to me and said, oh, I heard this song on the radio and I may have heard it once or twice and they asked me, yes... I have a shorter period of time. But if I nail it, that proves that I have something special there and I've nailed it in a short period of time. And that gives me a lot of joy right. to be able to kind of figure out my way through a song um, by myself on the spot, kind of without practice. I think that uh, gives me a lot of joy to be able to do that. Mm. Are you guys playing any originals on that show or is it this just covers... You guys talked about that or is it just... We did talk about... That very briefly, um, a lot of our originals, well, a lot of our originals aren't sort of get up and dance kind of, kind of thing, uh, things, but we have a couple of that, that people could dance to, but we haven't put them into the set list officially. Okay. But if we find that maybe we're running out of songs or if we find that, you know, um, someone who might've seen us before asked for an original or asked for a specific song, then maybe we could do that. I did bring up cause, cause we did obviously meet with, um, the bride and groom and, and, uh, they brought up, you know, what kind of music they enjoy. And so folk came up and we're doing a couple folky songs, but, um, I also mentioned that we have a song that's a little bit folky if they wanted that, that's a possibility as well. But obviously, I, I don't think they've ever heard the storm, so okay. um, so I don't know if um, they, you know, would even jump at the chance because they don't know what to expect. But 
Yeah, so I think right now we'll just stick with just just covers. We'll see how the night goes. I mean, the thing about it is that, yeah, I mentioned that we've kind of we're trying to work hard to put this set together, but also for us as a band to just kind of communicate and be like, okay, where are we at right now? Like maybe it's better to do this song at this time or, you know, as we get more comfortable throughout the night, as the crowd gets looser throughout sure. the night, maybe we can play around with uh, the set a little bit more. But um, yeah, so yeah, but right now it's just just co- all covers. And at the end of the night, as long as the bride and groom are happy with the result, Honestly, covers or not, or most yeah, important true. thing, yeah, most yeah. most important thing, yeah, top of mind for sure, yeah. You think they're gonna have a happy day regardless? It's you guys are icing on the cake, and everybody loves icing. So, if that helps to take any of the pressure off, which I'm sure it does not. I think people might be like, oh, cool, there's a band here. You know, like people might take a look and be... Because you don't see a lot of wedding bands. No. Um, Like, sorry, obviously you see a lot of wedding bands, but you don't see... Like, a lot of the weddings I've gone to didn't have a wedding band. They had, like, a DJ or someone was playing an iPod or something like that. And I think mainly it's because wedding bands are very expensive and you're definitely paying for what you get. Um, We were not very expensive (laughs) (laughs) because, again, we, you know, we, I don't know, we're doing it a lot also for the experience and for fun um, as well as, as contributing to this very special day for them. But, um, so yeah, I guess icing on the cake, but, and we're not going to do horribly, but if we did horribly, then that would be yeah, yeah, yeah. like, like stale icing on the cake. <laughs> at you know? least we're icing. Yeah. At least we're icing. We're on the cake. But I honestly think it's going to be fun. I think the songs that we have, I mean, how can you not have fun with them? A yeah. lot of songs that we have, um, people are going to recognize and people are going to want to sing along. People are going to jump up and down. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully I don't want to jinx us, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. there's a handful of people out there who know who we are, uh, even just in passing. I've got a couple of friends in the crowd there too. At the wedding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the at wedding. The wedding you have some uh, shout out to Darren Mason, um, and Katie, and they'll be there. And Mitch and Alex will likely be there. So we'll have a good handful of okay. people out there that we know. So there'll be some people dancing regardless. Well, you guys, I mentioned you on the podcast. You better be dancing. You gotta be dancing now, yeah. 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 Uh, okay. That, I think that's good. I'll, I'll let you guys have your your time to prepare your remaining one week, and then we'll check back with you next month to see how it went. Cool. <laughs> uh, so on the first, I guess the first real topic of the show, which is, which I'm just going to call hipsterism in music. Um we talked briefly before the show about how there's a good kind of hipster and there's a bad kind of hipster. And I like there's a stereotypical kind of music hipster that like wants to hear the underground bands and goes to shows and doesn't care that, Oh, I'm so cool. And then there's the, the the hipster who's really just a, like likes discovering new music. And uh, Damien, I think you in particular want to talk about this, so why don't I'll let you start off the conversation. What's I think you're a music hipster, so maybe <laughs> you're in a good position to start. But I'm like not a pretentious music no, hipster, though. I think I think that you're. Yeah, I'm the second one that yeah. you mentioned. Um, as you were saying that, I actually was thinking about um, this uh, Kimmel skit that he did, um, or this segment that Jimmy Kimmel did. 
where he went to Coachella, I think, and they made up fake band names, like the Regis Philbins or something. <laughs> and they asked these people, oh, what do you think of the Regis Philbins? Like, and, um, or are you, are you excited? Like, who are you here for? And they would say this person, this person, this group. Um, are you excited to watch the Regis Philbins? And the Regis Philbins don't exist. That's not a band. And they There's were, a band somewhere called the Regis Philbins. Now, probably. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> probably, especially now. But but then a lot of these people were just like, oh, yeah, I'm totally stoked to, to listen to the Regis Philbins. Oh, tell me, uh, what did you think of their last album? And they just, like, made up. And it was like, <laughs> I thought it was really, really good. I think they're coming into their own. What do you like about this band? Uh, you know, I just like their whole sound and, like... Like that specific <laughs> response was like yeah. across the board. Yeah. A lot of people were just like something as general as I just like their whole sound. And I just think that, yeah, that's like the bad kind of hipster, which is like they just want to be. And this is not just for music, but for everything. Yeah. Like they just I feel like they just want to be different for the sake of being different. They just want to go against the mainstream um, and they find really obscure music, which probably has its value. But I've seen people that. As soon as one of their favorite bands gets widely popular, they abandon yeah. that band. And it's like if you really liked them, if you really appreciated them, you would you would be so happy that they have achieved some form of real success. Yeah. But now because more people know them, <laughs> you are like, "No, I'm not I'm not down with them anymore. Like I'm I'm moving on to the next the next one." And I think a lot of artists are trying to make a name for themselves in their art. I mean, music isn't easy to make a name for yourself um, in. So, like, I think a lot of artists go into the music industry with the goal of becoming someone notable. And so I think that if you claim that you like an artist and then they become notable and then you abandon said artist, <laughs> then you're kind of just, like, kicking their dreams in the but I don't know. Yeah. You know? Um, so that's, I would say that's, that's, um, that's a more negative stereotype of a hipster. I, I, I'm fine with being called a hipster personally when it comes to music. And I also dress a little bit differently as well. So, you know, whatever. Okay, fine. I'm a hipster. <laughs> and, but, um, but I do it with the sole purpose of, I, ju I just like to be, um, up to date with the new music that's coming out. Um, being a, and I use this word loosely, musician. Being a musician, I, 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 I like to draw inspiration from other people and see like what other people are doing out there because it's music has been around for ever. So yeah. so like it's very hard to do something different. Um, in music so I want to know who's doing something different and I've written a lot of songs um, or came up with concepts for songs by listening to other people's songs and, and it's and it's really been helpful for the songwriting process as well and so I just like to stay up to date with who's big right now who's up and coming um, and all the more power to them if they achieve um, some really big success from their albums or from their songs but uh, that's that's why I do it. I, yeah. I I like the the little bands, the underdog bands, um, just because I think they're really interesting and doing something really cool and contributing, um, and that they need to be appreciated as well. What do you think, Bill? Uh, I think it's important to support these uh, bands that are less known, so that their message can get out there. 
And uh, with a lot of the radio stations picking the top 40s and playing them over and over, I find them a little bit stale. So much like Damien, I find the need to kind of find the individuals that are pushing the boundaries just a little bit. Um, but I wouldn't consider myself too much of a music hipster per se. I like the top 40 stuff. Um, yeah. But uh, I'd like to bring another element into it too, because hipster music isn't simply discovering your contemporaries that are like unknown. What about people from the past that are unknown to other mm. people too? You know, mm-hmm. like if you follow this group for a long time and they're from a time long ago and not many people know them, it's, you know, you can be a hipster mm. that way too, you know? Mm. Yeah. Bring them back and some people don't know. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of people don't know of people who really contributed a lot to music today. Like, and, for a lot of people, if you if you aren't in the music industry, you might not know the immediate effects of that artist. Um, and um, like, just come one person comes to mind, like Jeff Buckley, who was really huge in the '90s um, before and he he passed away. Like, really, when you say really huge, which is, is huge, who was big in the '90s? What like Bashy Boys or or no doubt. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. He was big in his like area, in his, in his, his area. Yes. Domain. He's but, huge. Yeah. But I mean, uh, I think a lot of people have probably heard his version of Hallelujah yes. by Leonard Cohen, which right. is like a really beautiful version of that song. And um and so but he passed away when he was really young. He yeah. accidentally drowned and that was it. Wow. He was gone. And um and but he I think just with his voice, with his with his uh songwriting, with his guitar playing, I think he really contributed to a lot of people now. Um but yeah, you might not people might not have heard of Jeff Buckley or um, obviously a lot of people have heard of like Buddy Holly or n- another person who had a, like untimely death who like directly influenced the Beatles. Um, you know, so there are a lot of, there are a lot of unsung heroes in, in music. A lot of people that have done something that, um, nobody remembers anymore. And it's kind of like, I mean, it's a different sort of scale for like we discussed in previous episodes about Paul McCartney and like a lot of people didn't know who Paul McCartney was until he started collaborating, collaborating with Kanye. Yeah. But, um, but it's, that's kind of diff- that for me is like crazy. Like <laughs> you should teach your children who Paul McCartney is. At least who the Beatles are. Or, at least who the Beatles are. Yeah. But, but a lot of, a lot of people who contributed very much who, um, who go unnoticed. And so, yeah, that's another element to it too, is like finding the people that, and, and for a songwriter as well, like finding the people who have gone before and see, um, what they did with songwriting. Like James Taylor is like a songwriting king and like Bob Dylan, obviously, and like Cat Stevens, like these guys really wrote some really awesome songs in the sixties and seventies. Um, that contributed to songwriting now. Right. Um, so if you are, if you call yourself like a musician, it, it would be good to go back and see the people who have kind of did, who did a lot of the heavy lifting to, for the music industry to get to where they 
are now to get to where it is now. Yeah, so I think in that sense too, there's like a third element of kind of knowing where music has come from to how you arrive here so that as an artist today, you know how to go forward and then you see what your contemporaries are doing. So that'll give you a fuller picture, you know, yeah. uh, of the landscape uh, from past, present and into the future, hopefully. Right. Mm. I think there are a lot of people who get into music and they'll start doing some something or start using some corporation, some whatever the case, whatever musical thing, uh, and not necessarily know the history of where it came from. And it, and it could come from someone like Buddy Holly or it could come from someone like, uh, I mean, Nirvana with Kurt Cobain. He was, I think it was, was it grunge music that he was sort of a pioneer of and younger people may not know that that's, if, if they, if they're in, taking parts of his sound, they may not actually know that it was him. And one of the biggest examples that I've heard of in, I guess, I, I think it's all genres of music. Have you guys ever heard the Amen Break? The Amen Break. It's this six second drum loop from a song back in, I think it was the 60s or 70s. It was on a B-side of some unknown record and it was just, it was a, a drum break in, in, in this song that nobody had ever heard of. And then when sampling came around in the eighties, it got found and there are, I, I want to say last time I checked, there are literally thousands of songs that use this drum loop in some, like they cut it up and they speed it up and they slow it down and they change yeah. the pitch. But if you, if you go look, I'll, I'll put a link to the, there's a, there's a documentary about it. I believe it's, yeah. it's just a six second drum loop that appears in like their Lady Gaga's used it. I think they said Bruno Mars used it. Like every artist who can name has probably used it in at least one song and they probably don't even know where don't it know. came from. Yeah. But it's, it's just crazy. It's, and it's the simplest beat too. It's, if you heard it, well, like I heard it first, probably three or four years ago. And every time I hear a song with that loop in it, in any way, like it's so distinctive, you're just like, oh, there it is again. Do you yeah. mean like a fill, like a certain rhythmic pattern that people duplicate, it, or is it the actual recording that has been duplicated? In, in, I'm sure people have duplicated the the, the actual sound, but replicated yeah. it and used it. But there were, when they're talking about sampling, it's literally All the they actual, literally okay. use the same loop and oh. just clip it up in different ways. <laughs> um, but it, it's so interesting because. Nobody that the band that did it wasn't famous. I don't even remember their name right now. But then um, you get into this whole, <clears throat> um, the whole legality of doing something like that too, right? Yeah. Like, is that band receiving royalties for people using their their stuff? I'm not saying in some cases they probably are, but in the vast majority, I definitely think they aren't. Yeah. 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 But um, is it something as? silly as trying to trademark the way your phone is shaped like was it the apple the rounded yeah. rectangle yeah yeah so can you own that can you own a shape can you own a rhythm like if i tapped out something right now on this very table and i copyright does that make sense to do like it's shouldn't it be owned by everybody True. i don't know yeah there's That's a certain true. point that and and there's i mean i get if your entire song uses it in the background as a drum loop Mm. It's maybe not fair use, but if like if you use a sample of some recording in your own art, that's it's fair use, and that's not a violation of copyright. So yeah, it's kind of a gray area. Yeah. One mm-hmm. <laughs> one of the things going back to to hipsterism itself, I, it always confused me so so much when people would say, "Oh, that band sold out. I used to love them, but now 
now they're just big and, and they're making crappy music. It, it doesn't like if you were really a fan of them before they were big, you helped propel them to where they were. <laughs> and now you're complaining about yeah. what you did. I yeah. can't believe that now everyone likes them. I can't like them. Yeah. I, I really don't understand that mentality. If you like them, yeah. you like them. Why does it matter that they're big or small? Or? Yeah. I think in some cases, people, when they say this band sold out, like this band shameless is like shamelessly promoting themselves or, you know, now they have a brand of cologne or now they have, yeah. you know, all, all, all of this, which, which comes with success. Like if you, now they have books like and movie deals and now they have product placement and music videos, product placement and music videos. Yeah, for sure. Which I guess in, and especially for specific types of bands kind of goes against sort of um, the conventional idea of what their, whatever their genre is and whatever, yeah. whoever their, their listeners are. Like if, if, if you like I, the, the first band that came to mind was Metallica, because I know that a lot of people say Metallica sold out. Like I know that a lot of people say that Metallica isn't about, you know, the music anymore or, you know, whatever. But, um, but I think that, um, yeah, I don't think that's fair. I mean, everybody's going to make a living, you know? So, um, but I, I think that maybe for a lot of it, it's like rock and roll fans, especially they are kind of like against the man and against the establishment. This is just casting a huge, right. huge, broad, it, general it's a stereotype, yeah, but it's yeah. a stereotype. But so like, if you see one of your favorite bands, like supporting, uh, like bureaucracy or capitalism, like you might not enjoy that because to you that goes against the values and ideals of the music that you enjoy. So um, I think it's, it's kind of, you got to make sure as, as the band as well, that what everything you do as a band, um, you know, as individuals is one thing, but as a band, as a unit, everything you do should probably align with the values of the band and it's kind of bad to say, but it'll also align with the image that you've also set up yeah. for yourself. Um, if you, if you do too much promoting of other businesses or products, or if you do too much, like if you're oversaturating the market with yourself just to make a quick buck and then get out of there, then that's, you know, then that's not good. That's kind of using your talent for a different purpose, but one band who I think did it kind of the right way was um, the Black Keys when they were starting out. Nobody really, nobody was really listening to them. Right. And then I think it was a car commercial or a beer commercial had approached them and they were like, can we use your song? And and so they kind of battled with this whole, like, would we be selling out kind of thing? And then, so people were wondering in that beer commercial, what song is that? And then yeah. they started Googling the Black Keys, and now the Black Keys is like a huge band. Um, well, in my eyes, no, I, I, think, I think they're they're pretty universally established in North yeah. America as being a huge band. And a lot of it, like what they attribute it to, is putting their songs in commercials. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's what helped them to be successful. So I think if you do it in a smart way, then yeah, nobody should ever take that away from you. There's a success. There's a recently departed, uh, or sorry, a recently departed show, The Colbert Report, a few years ago had 
what did they call it? A, like it was like a sellout off between the Black Keys and Vampire Weekend. Oh. <laughs> and they were they had he had them sitting on opposite sides of his desk, and uh, they basically fought as and they were like playing clips of the commercials that, that their songs were in, trying yeah. to see who was. It was either they were fighting to see who was the biggest sellout or who, like, I don't know, I, I assume it was who was the biggest yeah. sellout because they were, like, going back and forth, like, oh, my my <laughs> my song is in this, pro- this yeah. product's commercial. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's funny how that happens because it all kind of happens at the same time. You you could even hear the same song in two different commercials at the same time. It's, it's yeah. crazy how that happens. And it also makes me think, as soon as you said... Uh, the Black Keys in the music video made me think of all of the old iPod commercials. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, you can go right back and you can think Feist, yeah. uh, Phoenix, they all have, they, all these bands, mm-hmm. those are the two that come to mind. Jet. Yeah, Jet, Jet. Well. They all had these songs up here in For, iPod commercials. Fratellis as well. Yeah, they, yeah, um, yeah. And, and I mean, we downloaded them, right? Like yeah. we, we bought these songs or we downloaded these songs and, um, that was, I think that was really good marketing for both Apple and those bands. Yeah, definitely. for sure. For sure. Um, it helped out. So yeah, it can be done anything, anything like anything. It, it's good in, in, in moderation, but, um, but, uh, if you overdo it, then yeah, maybe you're, maybe you've got your sights on, on something different at that point. Maybe it's not, maybe it's just like shameless self-promotion as opposed to like kind of a, taking yourself. Right. Yeah, making yourself established in the industry or something. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think from there we can transition to um, bands that, I mean, I, I guess every band kind of starts out as a band that hipsters would like because no band starts off with this massive following unless it's something like uh, Them Crooked Vultures where it's like a super group. Um, but again, that, that they're kind of a hipster group as well. Cause it's like, so, Oh, yeah. you gotta be this diehard music fan to get their music. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but what do you guys think of bands reinventing themselves? Like there have been a number of bands that, that come up and then they'll kind of go away for a little bit and then come back and they're different. Um, have you guys experienced that where you really like a band and then they go away and you're kind of sad about it and you want to know when they're going to make new music? When's, when's it going to happen? And then they finally do and it's different and you don't, you either don't like it as much or there's just something off about it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Lincoln Park, no doubt. Thrice, uh, Mumford and Sons, all of these guys have had their opportunity to re-express themselves artistically. Um, and then I've had mixed feelings with all of them. I think uh, some of that I liked, some that I didn't. But ultimately, you have to respect the artists for trying to reinvent themselves when they find you know their craft need you know needs to take a new direction, right? So yeah, yeah. definitely observed. But uh, takes a lot of bravery yeah. to reinvent yourself. To take you know you have an audience if you keep like I'll use Mumford and Sons as a recent example because they've just started putting out new music that's different yeah. from what they've done before. They have this huge audience that they know loves folk music and for them to disappear for a year or two, I mean, they're still playing concerts obviously, but to disappear and then come back with a pretty different sound. Uh, Damien, you, you love Mumford and Sons. I do. The band. Yeah. 
And, but you've expressed to me, at least in the past, but when their new first new song just yeah, when Believe released, came out, it was. <clears throat> I mean, what do you what do you think now? Have you gotten used to it, and it's it's okay now? Or are you still sort of? Well, I think weird? there's I think there's going to be that that knee jerk reaction where you kind of flinch when someone starts. But I mean. I, I think that a lot of people are resistant to change in general. And so when you've kind of put your faith in, in one particular band and you've come to expect what um, they sound like and then they come out with something in terms of Mumford and Sons, it's quite different than what they sounded like yeah. before. And um, I've just seen all these comments like hashtag bring back the banjo and like that kind of thing. <laughs> and I, I mean, I feel I'll take Mumford and Sons as a specific example. Like they were always heading that way. I feel, um, because they started out, um, out of a mutual love for, Oh brother, where art, where art thou? Um, which is Coen brothers film. Great film. Fantastic music. Really main, great soundtrack. Yeah. Mainly folk and like kind of country and kind of gospel, like that kind of thing. And they were at the time, I think they're around our age. So at the time they were probably about 16, 17 when they watched it and they knew each other from school and they decided that, that they would start making that type of music because it really spoke to them at the time. But like individually they had all enjoyed jazz and blues and hard rock, especially Winston who usually plays the banjo. He like grew up with like hard rock music. And so I think that I, I actually just listened to a, um, an interview with them. One of the first ones that they've done since their new songs have come out. I listened to it today and, um, and I think they indicated that they were always kind of heading that way. And even on Babel, even their second album, you could hear it even more, right. but they were doing a lot more synth they were doing a lot more electric guitar. They were doing, you know, some more drum. Even on their first, like Dust Bowl Dance is like this huge, like hard rock song, right. um, like halfway through. So I don't know. I don't understand why people are just like, like this is coming out of nowhere. Like there's <laughs> been, there have been indications about, right. cause, cause they were kind of doing this thing. Like they were in this phase and then now they're out of this phase and now they want to do something that's maybe a little bit truer to themselves and what they've always been like. Um, and I respect them for it. I think that a lot of what, what's going on, kind of the resistance is, is because they themselves don't know what they're doing right now as well. Right. Like they're trying out something new and it might not be the best work that they've ever done, but they're it at least is just like this first like step towards maybe even better things. Um, they're doing a lot of secret shows right now, pop-up shows that sell out in like 30 seconds. And they're specifically asking people not to like to, to, um, uh, hand in their phones and any recording devices before they go to the show. And this show is probably about two to 300 people. And it's because, um, they don't like, they even don't know what they're doing and they're, they're doing all these shows to practice in front of people to see what people's reactions are. And also to, to kind of get this cohesiveness to all the songs. Cause these songs are really new to them. And where in previous times they, they played the songs into the ground before they, uh, they they released it to the public. Um, these songs are like brand brand new, and and they have no clue what they're doing. And I think it's just like I think it's really really brave um, for them to do that. I think an artist needs to reinvent themselves in some way, shape, or form because you need to move with your. If you if you started um, 
when your main audience was really young, teen, angsty and stuff, well, that audience is going to grow up and, and is going to have a little bit more of a different view of the world. And so you should also, if you want to cater to that audience, you could also, there's an also an option of just like remaining with that whole teen, let the new wave of yeah, teen yeah. angst that comes through or as like as because a musician is a person and so they're going to grow up and they're going to start to see life in different ways too and they're going to start to explore different sounds as well as they mature i don't think that um i don't think that it's good to stay stagnant in your style i think that it's very good to try out new things you you look at bob dylan who went electric in like the 60s and he lost a lot of fan base because he went a lot electric right. um much like mumford and sons is going electric now and but bob dylan is one of the best songwriters that we've ever had and so what if he went electric like he still made fantastic music and he went from he went from folk to rock to gospel back to rock and folk and blues and like i'm thinking of ray charles as well who he did country as well as jazz and gospel and i'm even thinking of lady gaga who seems to reinvent herself like every two months or something right. with yeah, like a different recently did a jazz album with tony bennett yeah like yeah, she's and standards. there's also john mayer a continuum and then john mayer yeah, john fantastic mayer yeah. fantastic example because and to be honest, John Mayer lost me a little bit because <laughs> between Born and Raised and Paradise Valley, it's a little bit too country for me. Um, but it's fine. Like John Mayer has the right to become a little bit country yeah, if yeah, that's yeah. what he's feeling at that time. Um, but Continuum was fantastic. And I think a lot of people got turned on to John Mayer through Continuum, but he has the right to, to try different things. I think it's brave. I think it's necessary. And I think that when you first transition, it's going to be a bit awkward for you and for your audience. And then people are just going to settle down and get used to it. Like anybody, any change people are going to have like some sort of uproar from, from, um, the Beatles are a great example of, of how to subtly and like fluidly transition <laughs> into, cause you take a look at the Beatles at the beginning of their career and they were just like this bubblegum pop band. You take a look at the Beatles at the end of the career and they're like, you wouldn't, if, people didn't know who the Beatles were, they wouldn't be able to like say, yeah, that's definitely the same band. Yeah. Like they yeah, sounded sure. so different at the end of their career, but they did it with such grace. And I think they also did it cause they didn't, they didn't care like what people thought. <laughs> cause they also stopped touring like the middle of their career. Like they just did studio albums and they, so that they could focus on the production value of their, right. of their work. Um, and they started doing like music videos and stuff like that. But, um, I think it can work because um, I think everybody can, probably has a favorite song of the Beatles in different eras and iterations of the Beatles. But um, I think that you should just like let your let your favorite artist just try it out because you should really like the person for who they are and sort of the ideals that they have or the, the perspective that they have versus like what they sound like. You know, it's almost like just only liking someone for what they look like. Right. You know? Yeah. Looks um, can change. Things yeah. can change. You gotta looks will change and people will get older and and so the same way a lot of times genres will or or someone's genre specific to them will will shift and um it's part of being an artist is just going out of your comfort zone and trying different things and interpreting the world differently. Um so I, I, especially with Mumford and Sons, I think people should kind of stick with them because 
Wilder Mind, which is their new album, might not be like the best work that they've done, but then at least it helped to bridge the gap. And now they're going to start to transition to like whatever is coming next. And, and maybe gonna, you'll like that. Better. Maybe you'll like that yeah. better. And you like, they have to do it at some point. Right. Um, if that's where they're headed. So, um, yeah, it just goes back to just being faithful to, if you really like the artist, um, you have to at least be of an open mind when they start to try something a little bit new, just give it a chance um, don't buy into the hype of hashtag bring back the banjo. Like, um, like maybe Winston doesn't want to play the banjo anymore. Yeah, like yeah, he's yeah. not a banjo player first and foremost. Anyway, he's an electric guitar player. So, um, so I think they just, they're headed that way. Right. Yeah. Or they can discover that the original thing that they were doing is a better fit for them and they'll go back to it. And then sure. step, you never know. So I think you just have to be patient. Cause, Cause even in sons of Pluto, we had a, period where we were trying out different things we have four songs that sound quite different from each other yeah um and then we started to kind of hit our stride with songs that a little bit are a little bit more cohesive like they they're a little bit but i mean so even within we don't even those songs aren't even enough for like a full album but even like within all of the songs that we've written there's some difference there because we're trying out different things and everybody has a different approach in sons of pluto and like a different um uh, a different taste in music as well. Um, yeah. So it, maybe they're just trying it out and that's what being an artist is about. Right. Yeah. So this is kind of a nice transition into the fact that you guys are looking in, in the next few months, maybe to record an EP. Yes. And, we had talked about discussing some of the interesting ways that we've seen musicians release music, trying to get outside of their, like you guys, like the ultimate hipster band, because you only played so far in Ottawa. Yeah. Um, one, time, one, one time. One time in Kingston for a birthday Hello. party. Hello. Yeah. So <laughs> pretty small radius. Yeah. You So... There have been a couple of, I mean, for a very long time, since since people started being able to record music, um, people have been coming up with interesting and different ways to spread their music. I mean, starting with touring itself, right. going to other places to actually play your music for people that aren't necessarily where you started playing music, like in, in a garage or something. Yeah. So, I, I don't know in preparation for trying to record music and actually get people to care and want to listen to what you're going through. Like uh, Mumford and Sons have put out new music and I have barely listened to it because there's just so much other stuff. Even though I really like Mumford and Sons, I haven't, I haven't, I have kind of have to dedicate time to it. It takes a big thing to get someone to actually go and listen to the music you're putting out. And so the smaller you are, the harder and harder it is. Um, we mentioned, oh, I was, I mentioned when we were talking about this, how Beyonce dropped, what was it? 17 or 20 songs, all with music videos is a complete surprise to everyone. They just showed up on iTunes one morning and it, I think, I feel like that broke, that must've broken records. I think it did. Yeah. I think it did. For like the fat, most album sales in 24 hours, just because mm. nobody's expecting it. There's no build up. There's no, yeah. like there's a pre-established cycle where you have release a single or two before you put out an right. album, but she just went for it. I <laughs> just, 
And that, and that could work too, because word of mouth is the most effective way of marketing. And so if people are like, what Beyonce has an album out. Oh my goodness. Did you know Beyonce has an al- a new album out? Like right now it's just like, and then it spreads. Yeah. Um, you know, versus like, okay, yes, Beyonce, we knew that you were having this album to, but like, there's like this sort of like excitement and people start to, um, start to like tell each other and then they're really excited about it and then they'll just like buy up the album. And, um, that, that approach was, was really cool too, because she, she, um, recorded those songs and recorded a music video for every single one of yeah. those songs a lot of work because there were a lot of songs on there and she can, and she released it as one complete package. I think that was really, really creative. Um, she did like a lot of the work all at once and then she set it out on the world and just could like sit back and, and watch it all unfold. I think that was really cool. A lot of people do a lot of really creative things. Um, yeah. Like people mixtapes, just anything to stand out from the crowd, you know? Yeah. 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 But I, um, we, we spoke about, um, cause I, I, I can't find the article now, but I had recently read this article of interesting things that bands have done, um, to release their music, especially now when album sales are, are decreasing. Um, and I guess 2014, I guess Taylor Swift was the only one who was platinum, who platinum. platinum, right? Um, and so you have to do something creative for sons of Pluto for their, for, for sons of Pluto's EP. Um, I don't know how creative we can really get cause we don't have a lot of money. Right. So, yeah. so which it, it's actually just, on the flip side forces us to be quite creative because we have no resources. Ex- right? Exactly. So we have, we would have to come up with something very creative that, um, is also low cost. Um, that would help people to rally behind us and sort of spread, our music that way. But, um, even in the last year or so, I'm thinking about like you two basically forced everybody to, to have their music on iTunes. Like n- nobody agreed to it. I'm, and it just I'm like really showed up. I'm glad that you, that you mentioned that when we were trying to, when we were coming up with the, this little list of interesting ways albums have been released recently, because there's a, there's a huge, I mean, you two apologized formally, well, informally with a video of, for, allegedly forcing uh, people to have their music on their phones. But the interesting thing about that is that they, all that they did was talk to Apple and Apple agreed to give a gift. They agreed to gift the U2 album to everyone. And the way that gifts in iTunes work is that they show up in your account as having been purchased and there's a setting in iTunes or on your phone or whatever that allows you to automatically download any purchased music, okay. which most people want. That's the right. only thing you want. But if, yeah. if someone buys something you didn't want for you and then it just shows up and you didn't want it, yeah. it's uh, it's disheartening. Yeah. But I suppose there should be some form of gratitude. Like if you are a YouTube fan, then you didn't have to pay for the album. Yeah. You didn't have to pay for Songs of Innocence. But if you... If you aren't a YouTube fan, well, okay, like you can give it a shot. Yeah, or you can, or you can just, just get rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> you can just get rid of it, man. But I think, yeah, a lot of people, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if it ended, ended up on my, um, 
my iPod or anything or in my iTunes, but because I, I don't think I've heard any of the songs from Songs of Innocence. It but. depends on your settings in okay. iTunes, and I think it's more common for Apple devices. Okay. Um, but <laughs> it's so weird. Like, if, imagine if you are you open your mailbox and there's a package in there, like a little padded uh, bubble wrap yeah, package, yeah. and you open it up when you get inside, and it, there's U2 album. Like, how mad are you going to be? You're like, oh no, we're in my house now. <laughs> it's just, yeah. like, it's free music. It's free Don't music. It. it absolutely is. And when you, and when, when I first downloaded iTunes, there were about three tracks that I, do you remember this? There were like three tracks that I did not buy when I downloaded iTunes that it was kind of like three sample tracks from like three up and coming artists or I haven't actually heard of them since, but, but iTunes had put in three songs from three different artists just to get my library going. So you know what I think that is? I think, cause I, I remember the first time I had a, n- a new laptop. I think those are the ones that come in as a default with windows media player. Yes. Oh, so it's not even iTunes. Instead of iTunes, you put it in library. Exactly. There's a classical one and there's like a pop one. Yeah. So that's that's Windows Media Player. You're right. You're right. So, I mean, but the same sort of thing, like I didn't ask for that music, but it showed up. Yeah, you can definitely, you can definitely delete it. And that's it. They had to actually do, they had to actually set up a special website where you could go and it's it's basically like if you push this button, you are like pressing down on this. What do you call it when you press on the thing and then dynamite explodes? Oh yeah, the trigger. I guess I don't even know what you call that. Yeah, but it, you basically like you're nuking this album out of your library. Like, yeah. I want nothing to do with you yeah. too. Yeah. Oh, man, but but props for them. That's creative. Yeah, it is, and and a lot of other people have done. I'm thinking. Um, I I, I had mentioned earlier um, off the air about Wu-Tang Clan and how they just had one very expensive, very (laughs) fancy copy of their latest album um, and auctioned it or something like that. And they, they had this craftsman like construct this special box that it was in and like of all this. And that seems really crazy because like, I guess it was so expensive that maybe they got as much as maybe they thought they would from uh, mass, you know, uh, album sales. But um, that's another thing, (laughs) too, that people have done. You know, I I remember when a a lot of a lot of artists uh, kind of do this, like, pay what you can thing where you can down you go and you can download the album and you just pay whatever you can if you if you if it's zero dollars is zero dollars if it's five if it's 50 you pay whatever you can and i think that's cool too because you're giving the the consumer the the power to say you know i think that i can only afford this or or they're saying like i think you're only worth this right you know i think most people think the first one yeah but i think uh, the first example i saw that was in rainbows by radiohead oh, okay did they do that within yeah. Rainbows? oh yeah they did they did yeah i remember that because i i don't know how much i paid for in rainbows i forget um i was i think i might have been a student at the time so yeah. not very much <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the, yeah i think that just with the way that the music industry is going and just like with record sales I think that you have to be creative. Um, I think I mentioned before, maybe was it, uh, I think it was the head and the heart 
Um, they got really big in Denver, I think, because they had this EP that they wrapped in denim and then just like gave it out at shows. Okay. And that was it. Mm-hmm. They just wrapped their EP in denim and people started listening to it. Something that simple. <laughs> like you, instead of being in a case, it's wrapped in denim. Right. Um, something that simple can set you apart. And I think a lot of people have got to start doing that because, um, you know, the old way isn't going so well anymore, you know? Yeah. A piece of the band like that would be pretty cool. I think, uh, something that, uh, gives them a piece of, you know, what it's like to be, you know, part of a band or something Mm -hmm. special like that to attract them. And I think I agree with Damien that the environment is forcing a lot of artists to be a little bit more creative, which ends up giving us more interesting products to mm-hmm. consume too, from a kind of a business perspective. Yeah. That's, that's cool. Something, something like, um, I, a lot of artists will, um, depending on how much you pay, they'll give you like hand, the handwritten, like original lyrics. Oh yeah. From right. their, from their song. Um, which to them I'm sure doesn't really mean much after <laughs> that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like any lyrics that I've written, um, don't really meet like I'll just I'll give them to anybody like I, right you know <laughs> sure. um but uh so yeah things like that you're right like a piece of a piece of the band in or, some way or um, a piece of your experience where you can actually alter bridge where they were selling uh the actual concert that you actually attended like days after the show online oh, so wow. you can That's actually cool. go back and say okay I was in you know uh, New York on this day and I want to buy that experience back and we'll That's ship cool. it to you in a USB stick shaped like the guitars that one yeah. of the guys play. Cool. Yeah, so That's I mean, really cool. Yeah, that's a really cool neat, idea. Uh, things like that too. You but know, like also kind of creative. Also Kickstarter though. We haven't mm, talked yeah, about yeah. crowdfunding um, because that way the, the, um, the audience you're trying to appeal to feels directly responsible for getting that record off the ground. So there's that sense of, of camaraderie and that sense of like, I did something to contribute to this thing even happening, but also how, you know, um, it works in such a way that you also get something from it. So for Julian Nunes, which is um, one of my favorite YouTube stars who now is kind of making a name for herself. um, She actually, I think depending on how much you paid, she would come to your living room and do a show in front of you and like 50 of your friends in your living room, um, depending on how much you paid. Um, so I thought that that was, that was really, really cool. That was really awesome of her. And then that I think expanded out into, she ended up doing like a living room tour. Like she would just like ask people, like, um, where do you live and do you want me to come to a show? And then she would set up a tour that way where she just played in people's living rooms as opposed to playing in venues and, um, and just these really intimate shows. But that was part of her Kickstarter for one of her albums was that I will come to your within reason. Cause it had to be like within a certain mile radius of where okay. she lived. Um, I think she was living in New York at the time. So anywhere, in like New York or neighboring states or even like um, some places in Canada, she was going to, she was going to go um, like, t- I think she went to Montreal or, or something like that. Okay. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of different ways, but I think Kickstarter is a, a, a good way to do it too. Like if you move movies have been funded, whole entire yeah. movies have been funded on Kickstarter. <laughs> 
Um, and people get something from it and they also feel like they contributed to it. So I think it's a very smart way of, of doing it, marketing right. it. Yeah. One of the things, and this may be getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but on the topic of crowdfunding, we've talked about doing with this show is taking the songs that you guys have done and packaging them together. We, I mean, we originally talked about doing it, making this a season based show, or at least I don't know if I actually, I think BL and I might have talked about it, but making it sort of six episode seasons, starting off with the first six episodes and taking the songs that you guys have played from there and distributing them and trying to see if there's any interest. So if you guys have interest, people listening in doing that, let us know because it would take some work, obviously, but mm. I think it'd be really cool to go back and make the songs as polished as possible and, and give people a product mm -hmm. if there's interest in that, because you guys have put a lot of work, obviously, into learning these songs and, and playing them. I think that'd be a really cool thing to just to, I mean, obviously for us to remember but also for other people to be able to experience the music. And this is sort of a more informal setting, but we have equipment that is not, it's more than just a phone microphone. Right. And yeah. that, I mean, it's music, it's universal. It's yeah. a thing that everybody loves and yeah, should I mean, be shared. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you guys want us to, um, to do that, let us know and, I think we'd be happy we'll, we'll to do figure that. figure it out if, uh, mm -hmm. if there's interest. Yeah. Um, so on the topic of distribution, the other thing I wanted to mention is BitTorrent. Okay. They have, they are trying, as we speak, BitTorrent uh, is a company that distributes uh, files using peer-to-peer -peer sharing. Um, I'm sure people here who are under 30 know what BitTorrent is. Uh it's a way for people to share files across the internet and it, it's basically crowdsourced file sharing because the more people that are, that have copies of the file, the faster anybody else can also get that file. And so BitTorrent are going out of their way to say, to actually set up a platform so that musicians can share their music and charge for music using BitTorrent. They're trying to say, Oh, we, we want to be a legitimate platform. We don't want to be a place where people steal music. We want to be a place where people share music and where artists can actually distribute their music. So uh, I feel like that's a really, it's a really valuable thing because one of the things that a, a very small artist can do, it, it, it's really expensive to distribute your own music, whether it's on physical media, like a USB, whether it's by CD, even whether it's hosting it and, and providing it to people on the internet, but using peer to peer, all you have to do is get three to four people, members of a musical group, for instance, um, hosting that file on their computer, hook it up to BitTorrent, and then anybody can download it. And once you get 10, 50, 100 people downloading it, it can just virally go from there. Torrent sites will start to pick it up. Uh, I think it's a really interesting way to let music be distributed sort of through a natural network rather than, I mean, it obviously stems from one part, but as soon as it starts branching, the, the network is kind of explosive in, in how fast those kinds of things can propagate through the internet. And if people are sitting there and if they have, for instance, a, a filter that any new music comes in on through torrents, it just, they can have it automatically start downloading or at least it'll show up in a, in a feed. It's a really interesting way to discover music, but it's also a really interesting way to share music. And I don't know. I see that as being, I see that as being not only the future of music, but the future of, all kinds of different media. 
I mean, that's basically the way websites like Google are run. They have their, their websites hosted all over the world in different, uh, different data centers and people download and it just goes and finds the closest version of that website they're trying to access or that song they're trying to download and they can get it really quickly and they can get it. I mean, basically frictionlessly, you download this small piece of software and you, you have any kind of media at your fingertips. I think it's a really cool way to, to distribute music and something to think about. And um, yeah, it's definitely, it definitely kind of gels with, like you, you said, like sort of the natural progression of what consumption of media is doing and where it's headed right now, because yeah, BitTorrent is huge and a lot of people get files on BitTorrent. And, uh, and so if they become sort of, um, instigators of the solution rather than the problem, yeah. um, then I think that's a really great thing for them to do because they're sort of marrying the two concepts of stealing music and paying for music and like illegal music and legitimate music or like illegal download of music and legitimate download of music. Um, they're saying it doesn't have to be separate. It can happen on the same platform. Um, not the illegal part, but the, the mechanism by which people are getting music, um, can be legitimate, more legitimate and happen on the same platform as it does now. It's sort of like a harm reduction kind of thing, kind of in health, like harm reduction. Like if you know that you're going to have people who are using meth, then you at least want to make sure that they have safe needles to, yeah, or, or heroin, you know, safe needles to do. It's the same sort of concept rather than, cause it takes far more energy to resist than to just kind of like, go along with it and make sure that it's regulated in some way or it's safer in some way or more respectful in some way. Yeah. Um, I think it was really cool. I didn't know that, that, that they were doing it. it I didn't cool. know that either. Yeah. Um, but that said, if BitTorrent becomes paid, wouldn't there be like a BitTorrent 2.0? Well, where that's, it's like that's underground thing, that's more free. Because there's always going to be people yeah. who aren't, who, who are going to find ways to share it freely. Yeah. I mean, back in the day, it was either LimeWire, Napster, or what yeah. have you. I mean, those all were all those things. Peer-to-peer yeah, peer-to-peer that's right. Networks. Yeah. So wouldn't it force developers or force individuals who have the means to, to create BitTorrent 2 or 3 or 4? So one of the things that people, and, and I think this bears out more than maybe people of our generation realize because we grew up sort of getting introduced to Napster and LimeWire and Kazaa because uh, yeah. And uh, so one of the nice things about BitTorrent is that it makes it so easy to download music. The th- thing that people hate about uh, things like iTunes, for instance, things like Netflix, all these, these sort of closed environments where you can get stuff from is that it's difficult to, you, you don't actually have any control of the files you can access them, you can stream them, but it's really, di- you don't, if you don't have the right device or you don't have the right app or whatever, it's difficult to actually get the stuff sometimes. So the control lies with the person. It, or the the control that lies with whatever company yeah, is hosting the files. But when yeah. it comes to BitTorrent, the, the, the main thought of BitTorrent is that people don't, they're not necessarily cheapskates. There are people who pay for HBO and download Game of Thrones to watch it because it's easier for them than watching it on any app Mm. or whatever. Mm. 
for they have they have any number of reasons. If an app is just terrible, if if their internet connection is very good, there are all kinds of reasons why you'd want to have if you're if you're paying for something, why you'd want to have control of it. And so people people are saying that the important thing is making it easy. That's one of the reasons why BitTorrent is so popular because it makes it really easy to get all these files. So if you can attach a way to compensate artists who make things, then people will do it. It's not going to eliminate piracy. If people are just want to get stuff for free, there will always be a way to do that. But the idea that it can make it easy for people to compensate the artists and get their stuff in a frictionless way and actually have control over it. If you get a copy of an MP3 and you get it for free and you distribute it, obviously that's bad. It's a little better to be able to get it contribute to the artist while you're getting it. And then, I mean, you can, you can obviously spread it to people anyways, or you can just keep it to yourself. But the, the goal is to get artists compensated in a way that's easy for the artist. And it's easy for the person who wants to experience whatever art. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a really interesting thing. And I, mm-hmm. I've definitely thought about it in the context, I mean, in the context of this show and in the context of Sons of Pluto in general, distributing music that way. Now that there is a platform that is that, that actually has a built-in way to get support from people, I think it's a really interesting thing that bigger and bigger artists are going to get on board with. Yeah. Even if they have to, at the start, create partnership, like partner up with BitTorrent and say, okay, BitTorrent's giving me some money, so I'm going to do this as, a, as an experiment to see how it goes. But I think we're going to see more and more of it as more open platforms like that sort of try to get their... Game. Yeah, I think it's only a good thing if you can contribute directly to the people who are creating the music for sure. And if there are people, either big groups or even the little groups who have less to lose to try something like this and they get their music spread all, all across the world, then like all the better for sure. Yeah. So uh, we're just past an hour here. I know that flew wow. by. Um, but we'll wrap up with, uh, I, I reached out on Twitter before we started this episode, uh, about things that people maybe wanted us to talk about. And we got a response. People saying, uh, <laughs> listener, friend of the show, Mike asked, he, he said, talk about music videos. And so I think that left, that left us a lot of creative liberty to be able to kind of tailor that topic to our own, uh, needs and our own selfish uh, desires. So I want to talk just a little bit about music videos first. I, we didn't talk about this before the show, but uh, I want to talk about what you guys think about the possibility of doing a, an honest to goodness music video with the EP. I, I We've talked about it for years, doing an actual with s- multiple sets with actually recording a real version of a song and then using that you guys have done a music music videos as part of projects. What do you guys think? Is there, do you guys still have interest or are you guys kind of, there's just not enough time in your lives to do a music video. As I mean, we were talking about how artists, you know, have these different uh, uh, kind of initiatives to do this and that. And I think, on this side, on our side, on my end, I think as an artist, you have these desires to to be creative in multiple ways, be it in music and in the video. So 
in the music video format and I think that allows you to be creative in different ways that music doesn't allow you to be so in theory I would love to have one just to say we did it you know <laughs> and to have like you were saying just like this little EP that we might be doing for the first six episodes something you hang your hat on something you can hang on to you know that you can watch over and over again mm. yeah. I think that's a very I'd love to do yeah. a, I'd love to do a music video um, for one of our songs, uh, just again, just yeah, for the experience, just to say that we did it and to and to know what it's like to do sort of a legitimate music video. Music videos are are so so cool. I mean, you had um, like earlier on um, for music videos, like in the sixties and stuff when they came out. Music videos are really cool because like when they first came out, it was like. Um, it was because we spoke about promotion, um, promoting yourself and maybe going on tour. Mm-hmm. The thing about music videos is like when they first came out, music videos were used for like a reason to not have to, or to reach larger audiences, um, and not, um, have to go on tour as much as you would have in, in order to reach those audiences. Like yeah. I remember the Beatles sending a music video of rain and she said, um, to Ed Sullivan, um, because they weren't touring anymore or at that point they were too busy. And so they just made this music video and then sent it out to talk shows so that it's like, it's like they, um, people can still watch it and still experience the music and still see them. Um, so it was like they were sending copies of themselves out for people to enjoy as opposed to being there in person. So that's, um, and, and I, I think about like, the quintessential 80s music video where it's like shots of someone chasing a girl cut in with like shots of the 80s hair band playing live and stuff. And then sort of music videos have evolved now to like things that have some loose form of story. And the interesting thing about music videos is that the story in the music video might not necessarily match the story of the song or what's being meant in the song. Um, but music videos have definitely, uh, revolutionized the way that we see music. I mean, think about thriller. I mean, the first time I saw thriller, I was quite young and I was, uh, it was around Halloween and I was watching like YTV or maybe like much music or something like that. And they played this music video that was by Michael Jackson. I had heard of Michael Jackson, obviously. And I'm watching this thing. It was like 13 minutes long. And I'm just like, this is like a short film, yeah. which is what it started to be. And I think for Thriller, who did he get to direct it? I'm, I'm not sure who he got to direct it, but like a movie, like a film director directed Thriller. And... For me, that was kind of just like a okay. Music videos can be a lot more than just uh, visuals of people playing um, music, and that's it. Like Thriller had this whole awesome backstory that was for a kid very, very scary, but also very exciting at the same time. And I think Michael Jackson is a good example of like taking the music video and then revolutionizing it into um, sort of a story. And we had spoken. Uh, again, earlier in earlier discussions about Michael Jackson's blood on the dance floor and when he did the whole ghosts thing and it was like a 30 minute, 30 minutes of just like samples of the songs from that album mixed in with like an, like an overarching story, um, for that 30 minute, um, short film. Um, I think it's just super, super 
cool and it's like a really good way to um to promote your music and it it just catches people be in in different forms of media yeah. because i mean the more the more types of media that you can put out there the more chance i think you have of, of success of of people listening to it um of of people uh commenting on it um I mean, for Hosier, when he did Take Me to Church, that was sort of a very powerful kind of kind of jarring music video. Um, yeah. And people started to take notice of, of that of that song because of the music video, I think, in part. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because it dealt with such a such a controversial issue in such sort of like a raw way that is very realistic. And it happens to a lot of people that they um, get discriminated against and even get physically harmed by from being different. And it just kind of unflinchingly, you know, put it out there. Um, But a lot of people started to think that take me to church was about gay rights or was about, um, a relationship with another man or something, but it's not, um, Hosier in an interview had, had said that it wasn't, and it was just about just falling in love. And, and that was, that was it. But, um, so it's interesting too, because music videos are also as much as it is a chance for the artist, the musician to promote their music. It's also could be a chance for some young film kid to, to put together something or some director to put together something and be like, yeah, I helped make this, like I made this. And so you can also see it from that perspective too. Um, because there's varying m- types of media that are involved with those music videos. Um, really, really cool. And I think that it's another good way of promoting yourself. And I think that Sons of Pluto should do a music video just to have the experience, but, um, but maybe a more serious song this time. Yeah. At least, well, uh, you, uh, you, Sons of Pluto have done a music video, but it was, it had very tight deadlines. Yes. And, and it was for a rushed. project yes. and it was, and it was rushed project. and the song that we used, you know, is fine. It's a good song. To be fair, we, other than the one that we're thinking about right now, we have other quote unquote music videos, right. like the you stuff from our, yourself well, that's it. While playing music, of course. Right. And our submission to Long McQuaid, that was cut and, and yeah. done up that way. Yeah, for sure. So we do have music videos but not in the sense of interesting story, story yeah, or yeah. director yeah. or you know multiple camera angles yeah. and very yeah. sophisticated there's well yeah you know. I mean there's infinite things you can do with me. think about walk off the earth like what they did with with their YouTube videos yeah, yeah. Um, and you know five people on one guitar and, and and now they're touring all over the world and they're doing some really really cool stuff and I think they do, like they to a fault do really creative music videos when they when they can. But um, um, yeah, it's just a whole other medium of reaching people. And whereas, like for for somebody that I used to know by Gautier, people might not have ever heard that song right. unless Walk Off the Earth did it the way that they did it, and then people started paying attention to Gautier, and so cover music videos as well is another cool thing if you really appreciate an artist um that people might not know and then they go and check it out when we did the when we did our version of take me to church by hosier i shared it at work and some people had never heard of hosier before and so they went and checked out hosier and now they're hosier fans you know so i'm 
I'm happy to help out Hosier, such a so talented Andrew, musician. Andrew, if you're listening. <laughs> Andrew Hosier Byrne, if you are listening, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. I know you guys, uh, people listening, were going to be emailing us to tell us who the director of Thriller was. It was John Landis. John Landis, yes. He is famous for Trading Places, the mm-hmm. Blues Brothers films, mm-hmm. uh, National Lampoon's Animal House. Mm-hmm. And he did Thriller. He did all those comedies, and then he did Thriller. Thriller had some funny moments. Oh, yeah, absolutely it did. <laughs> like the special effects. <laughs> as seen now, for today. Time, yeah, for, yeah, its, yeah. For, for its time, it was amazing. <laughs> absolutely amazing. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I think that's about it for this month. All right. I mean... Uh, it went by really quickly. It really did, yeah. as it always does. Yeah. Uh, so what I'll say before we go, um, go ahead and if you have an Apple device, go find us on iTunes. You can find the show at unwindmedia.com slash feedback. And uh, I've just put a bunch of work into making that website look very snazzy, much snazzier than it did the last time uh, an episode was released. I noticed. I noticed, actually. I don't know how soon or how recently you did it, but I actually sent... I spoke to my dad over the weekend and told him that I'm um, helping out with a podcast on a monthly basis, to which he responded, what's a podcast? Like, you, you <laughs> know? And so I sent my mom a link to it, um, and I noticed that it did look very snazzy. Yeah. So very good work. So, uh, yeah, go take a look, and feel free to leave us a review. Uh, or just a comment, obviously. But uh, so that's, yeah, that's unwindmedia.com slash feedback. We now have a Twitter account, so you can go follow us there. We have a Facebook page. Facebook page, two likes. Hello. Yeah, <laughs> moving on up in the world. I don't particularly care that much about Facebook likes because even when you do have them, it's not super helpful. True. But uh, if you want to follow the show, feel free to do that. And yeah. That's what we're going to be sharing from. Mm-hmm. Um, You'll be able to see videos and stuff, and uh, as well as the episodes when they're posted. And if that CD sounds like yeah. something you would like, please let us know because yeah, we'll get on it. To it sweet. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That being said, uh, let's go play some music, and we'll see you guys next month. All right. See you later. See ya. Bye.